What up, AOTA family? Welcome to Passing Period and All the Above Podcast Extra. We like to drop these in between our full episodes. Our full episodes are video shows chock full of goodness and super dope guests and exploration of multiple headlines and all kinds of dope stuff. Um, we also put that out as an audio podcast, um, obviously. But um, in between those vi- video episodes, we drop these passing periods, which are just exclusively for our podcast listeners. These do not go up on the YouTubes. They're just a chance for us to talk about stories that we might have missed that maybe didn't make it in our most recent full episode. And my name is Manuel Rustin, your favorite teacher's favorite teacher. And I am here with Jeff. And Jeff, man, this is the the third passing period in a row. That's that's rare for us. That's rare for us, Jeff. What's going on? What happened? What happened? Uh, what happened was uh, I was on vacation and uh, we couldn't book guests around my travel schedule. So uh, the good people of the All The Above family are, um, are just left with lowly, plain old Manuel and plain old Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Who said you get to go on vacation, Jeff? We are in the era of you just, this is education, man. You're supposed to be fully, fully self-sacrificing. No vacations, no call-ins, no nothing, man. You're supposed to just grind through it, man. That's um, exactly uh, what. What did uh, Nipsey Hussle say? Um, you know, um, grinded, grinded all my life. Um, yes. You know, got to sacrifice. Hustle paid a price. Uh, something like that. I, I'm, I'm not sure where I'm, where I'm going with that exact analogy, but um, <laughs> but yes, you know, we we stay grinding here and all the above, man. We we um, you know, it's been a long time since we've had a weekend with no new content for our audience, Manuel. So. Um, yes. Even though we haven't had that full episode here in a few weeks, we'll be back next weekend with a phenomenal episode. And, um, you know, we're, we're still bringing it, man. We're still bringing it. Yes, we are. Despite despite vacations and despite the the just how how difficult the school year has been, um, just speaking for myself and every other educator out there. Uh, despite all that, here we are still bringing new content, fresh every single week, every single week. Um, you know what I'm saying? Because our ALTA family uh, is out there and they're also doing what they can during these very tough times. And you know what I'm saying? We like having these conversations uh, no matter what's going on. So so yeah, next week will be a full episode available on our YouTube channel, but also on this podcast feed and uh, super super dope guest, elite, elite level guest. I mean, all of our guests are super dope and all of them are elite. And this is one who was actually on the the second episode of All the Above many, many, many years ago. And uh, she's back. Um, Her name is Roxana Duenas and uh, she is uh, ethnic studies, dope, super dope, just educator and scholar and all that. So we'll talk about that uh, later on this passing period, um, just to give you a preview. But Jeff, for today's passing period, there's a there's a big story in the LA Times, and of course the LA Times, like most big news organizations, is is very very. They don't they don't they don't go for the clickbait. They don't go for the uh, crazy headlines. You know they're very very fair, humanizing. Uh, you know straight shooters and stuff. And they had a very I think fair humanizing headline that read "Falling Grades, Stalled Learning, LA Students Need Help Now." Times analysis shows. So um, wait what that. That doesn't, that doesn't sound very nice at all, Jeff. Jeff, everything's falling apart. Uh, Students are, grades, grades are plummeting. Test scores are plummeting. My goodness, Jeff. Jeff, talk to us about this story, man. This is, the sky is falling, Jeff. 
The sky's falling. Learning loss, learning loss, learning loss. Oh, the learning loss. <laughs> uh, okay, so there, there's a few things going on here. And first of all, I want to say this piece uh, in the LA Times was written by Paloma Esquivel and Iris Lee. So I want to give credit there. And I will say, I got the alert on my phone, Manuel, when this story dropped. And I just, I was sort of livid for a moment. And I was like, man, this is the BS we were talking about all last year about why it was going to be so critical that we did not administer smarter balance assessments to all of the kids, that we did not um, allow the drumbeat of we have to measure the learning loss, we have to measure the learning loss, we have to do all these, you know, these things to like diagnose how deficient the kids are to be the dominant narrative about education because the data was going to be weaponized and because it was uh, it was shifting the direction of our of our focus and energy that should have been on saying, hey, we're experiencing global pandemic that is adversely affecting the entire world and adversely affecting kids, parents, communities, employment, housing stability, health care, all of the stuff that we go through in life. Um, and just raining crap down upon kids to deal with while they're being physically alienated from school, while they're trying to access school with inadequate internet bandwidth, right, or not having a good device to do so, or having to do so in a room with younger siblings who are loud and playing, or having to provide childcare or elder care at home, or having to take a job to help feed the family because their parents lost work or having to worry about their parents because their parents are so-called essential workers and have to be out working at the grocery store or the, the wherever um, to provide for the family and risk their own life, you know, to bring home enough money to barely keep the family's head above water. Okay. So all of this is happening, right? The deep, 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 violent, policies and inequities baked into our system that were, have always been present in this country and that were simply exacerbated by the pandemic were, of course, going to result in, uh, you know, some kind of lowered set of outcomes at schools. Like, there's no way that it could have worked out any other way, right? Um, and so we knew this kind of headline was coming, right? And when I got the alert on my phone, I literally texted my team and I was like, this is the kind of thing that makes me so glad that we fought as hard as we did last year to not just go down the learning loss trap because it was going to turn into this conversation that's like, look how bad our, our schools are. Look how deficient public schooling is as an institution. Now, in fairness to the authors of this piece, Paloma Esquivel and Iris Lee, I will say, I thought it was a much more responsibly written piece than the headline conveyed. The headline is some clickbait, <laughs> right? Um, and the yeah. actual substance of the piece was more responsible in that it, it did talk about like the effects of the pandemic on kids and families and not just look at how bad the teachers are, look at these lazy educators kind of a, a vibe. Um, so I do appreciate that. I think we still are going to have to uphold this, uh, you know, this important message to folks. Um, and in the moment, honestly, Manuel, I was like, I, I almost posted something online where I was like, let me fix this headline here. What the headline should be is despite every attempt from society, 
from public officials, from our government to exacerbate the oppressive systems we already had in place as a result of the pandemic, educators somehow managed to keep it together enough to help kids learn something last year. And isn't that amazing? Thank you. What else can we do to support your efforts? <laughs> uh, that should be- That's a, that's a long headline. That's <laughs> a long Very headline. Wordy, not, but not that would clickbait. be great. Not clickbait. Very long, not effective. I, I would not get hired as an editor at the LA Times with that. <laughs> but, um, but I think it need be said that um, the real headline from last year in my mind about education is how much educators manage to still do in service of kids and community in spite of all of the odds stacked against them, especially in places like Los Angeles especially in schools like yours, Manuel, where we already had the deck stacked against us and what the pandemic did and what the data in this piece in the time shows is that K-shaped recovery, right? Quote unquote, K-shaped recovery, which is the folks who already were doing okay, kept progressing. The folks who were struggling the most struggled even more. Wow, big surprise, right? Um, so, you know, to me, that's that's uh, that's I think what we have to do a better job at, like getting out there as what the real headline is um, about from last year is how much educators took on to to not have the pandemic just completely crush kids and families, okay, um, and how little we actually did uh, societally speaking to help them in that effort. Um, so, you know, that's not to disparage parents who obviously, you know, had to do a ton last year, but, um, just in terms of like, you know, what did, what did governors and the president do to help teachers last year? Like, uh, not a ton in, in that regard. Okay. So, um, anyways, man, well, I'm, I'm, I'm worked up over here. Let me calm myself down and, uh, pass, calm the, down, pass, man. pass the mic here. Calm down. <laughs> Yes. Nah, yeah, I saw the alert on my phone as well as I was trying to do a million things before the school day started because we don't really get um, off periods anymore, as we discussed in our last uh, most recent passing period because of the substitute teacher, guest teacher shortage. We're covering a bunch of classes and it was one of those things where I get the alert and I see it, but I don't have time to really like, you know dig in and by the end of the day, I'm just not trying to hear it. But yeah, this alert, I was just like, wait, what the hell? Like, is the LA Times really coming for us? And when I say us, I mean, obviously they're focused on Los Angeles Unified and I don't work in Los Angeles Unified School District, but um, but it is, I think, a broader conversation um, and a broader narrative about schools and schools failing and, and this and that. And, you know, as when I had time to take a closer look, Yes, there certainly is some of that learning loss, uh, learning loss, learning loss, learning loss, like language in here, the the times analysis of grades and test scores. They, you know, kind of itemize out some some of the results and they show, um, you know, some of the things that they, they pointed out is uh, the gap in grades that existed before the pandemic between black and Latino students and white and Asian counterparts widened to as much as 21 percentage points. And they say uh, elementary school reading scores dropped seven percentage points. Uh, black and Latino students, the gap between their reading scores and the reading scores of their white and Asian classmates grew 26 percentage points. And they have, you know, I'm, I'm just reading from the article, uh, more than 200,000 students are not meeting grade level goals in math and reading. So it's a lot of that learning loss language that we're worried about. And then they have all these nice, colorful charts about or showing how much grades dropped across the district and how much reading scores dropped and how much math scores dropped and all that. However, 
mixed within there, mixed within that uh, learning loss data is, I think, a rather humanizing portrait of some students within Los Angeles Unified and the challenges that they've had to deal with during this pandemic and the struggle um, that they've had and that educators around them have had to try to uh, continue to support students and continue to do what they can against insurmountable odds. So the headline is certainly heavy, bold, lang- uh, learning loss language, but the story itself does does paint a more holistic view of what what the challenges are. I appreciate that they, uh, you know, they're speaking to a few of these students and one of the one of the students was talking about how much her grades dropped during the pandemic. And, you know, she was able to get them back up in certain in-person classes and, you know, just the challenge of trying to learn through virtual learning while also dealing with all the things that you might be dealing with in your household and just how how intense it is. And as a classroom teacher, man, like now that I have students in front of me, it's just, it's hard for me to find the words. It's really difficult for me to find the words. And maybe this is why I haven't been tweeting much for those who follow me on Twitter. Like I've been radio silent a lot because it's just, um, it's hard for me to like, just find the words to express how heavy the toll has been on students and how like basic conversations I have with them. I could just see it in their eyes of this, this sense of just like, just being lost, lost in the world, just lost amongst like all that has happened and continues to happen. And students are so resilient in there, putting up a fight to do the best they can, but it's just clear that they are searching for answers and the adults are not really providing them because we are, we have raced, we have rushed to get back to quote unquote normal and all that reimagined talk all of those conversations about how we could use the opportunity of this radical interruption of our, our uh, status quo schooling system, how we could use that as an opportunity to, to adjust some of our practices at minimum and radically recreate uh, certain systems. So much of that was lost, so much of that was lost. And here we are as a classroom teacher, I'm just so frustrated that it's just like right back to fully packed classes, right back to grades are due on this day, right back to like, here's how you input on our uh, system interventions when a student isn't isn't doing what they're supposed to do. And here's how you, you know document this and that. And just right back to, fully PSAT testing, rushing them through a test. You got five minutes left on this section, then you get a five minute break, you can't go anywhere, don't open your test booklet, all that stuff. Like all these things we've done in just the last couple couple of weeks here. And I'm just like struggling to find the words to describe how upset I am with the system, how much I feel for students who are trying to find answers in this really, really complex, really, really just uh, uncertain world. And it's just so, so sad. So this story, this headline, you know, when I saw it, I was just like, it's not like, we know it's not about grades and test scores. Like these are humans here. And we just lost 600,000 people across our country. And we are really just trying to like race back to like, well, how do we accelerate their learning and get them back on track? And, and whoa, the grades are really low. Oh, these test scores are really low. Like, obviously they are. I feel like the word pandemic has just lost all meaning at this point because we, we've heard it so many times, like it doesn't have the, like it has lost its power, but it's like, no, this is, that was a, it's a pandemic. Like that is so major, yet it's just become regular talk. I heard from from some educators this week, I heard 
statements about how, well, teachers were already struggling before the pandemic, so how's this much different? Or, well, we already had this excuse or that excuse before the pandemic. And I heard it in the context of, like, we just got to go harder right now. And I'm fearing that we are reaching a point in the conversation where the magnitude of the of all that we've experienced over the last two years is quickly like not fading away, but it's like being watered down in such a way that it's just like we're no longer going to use that as like a quote unquote excuse. Like we're just charging ahead. And once we lose and maybe we've already lost sort of the magnitude of what this moment has has meant uh, just for our nation, for our world and certainly for our schools. Then it's just I think there's there will be no no reimagining there whatever whatever the system looks like coming out of this that is that will just be the permanent system and right now it's gonna it's looking like it's gonna be a permanent system of test scores grades math reading grade level achievements and that's just we're we're never gonna get rid of the, of that mindset that school is this factory model of education we will never get rid of that if we're not getting rid of it right now. So it's just very, very sad. And I don't even know if those words made sense, Jeff, because I'm telling you, I'm struggling to find the words to capture just how upset I am and how much I am like just reflecting on whether or not this is even for me anymore. It's just such a, man, just so, I'm just so disappointed, Jeff. We had such great conversations on this show. There's so many dope educators out there, so many dope people, members of the AOTA family. But now I'm thinking like, maybe we're few and far between because the the system is, the system is doing what the system does. And here we are. Yeah. No, I mean, it, I appreciate the frustration uh, behind your your comments. And I am definitely uh, more at an arm's length um, to the, you know, the heart of the problem than you are. Um, and I feel the stress, you know. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it is, I think we're at a really fascinating moment, Manuel, where definitely what you said is 100% true, which is we talked a real good game last year, or at least corporations and, and foundations talked a real good game last year about we got to reinvent education and this is the time for innovation and et cetera, et cetera, right? And I'll even just take it at its word and say that was coming from a good place. Um, but we didn't move any of the goalposts, man. Like we didn't change anything that actually drives how behavior in school has to function from adults, at least. And so we put all the same goalposts back in place and all the same accountability structures back in place and then told people, here's a whole heaping mess of COVID logistics on top of that, which was already an overwhelming and perhaps not that sustainable job that, that many educators had. And oh, by the way, now you have to be a contact tracer, okay? Now, well, I was having a conversation with an elementary school principal this week um, who told me at his school, they, they have a small parking lot, right? And um, the parking lot is full of staff at 6.20 in the morning, that he's there before six in the morning, okay? Because he has to check the COVID testing each day, see if there's new kids that tested positive, then has to do the exposure tracing, then has to do the informing of families. He says he's calling families in the morning and like waking them up, okay? Uh, about COVID exposure, then has to do the communications with staff and the COVID exposure with staff, then has to do the juggling act of like, if staff have to go home, 
who's going to, you know, how are we distributing the kids, who's covering classes, right? And that's every day, <laughs> okay? On top of the already ridiculous job of being a principal of a school, okay? And so I think there's, there's just so many layers to this that maybe the public isn't actually aware of, like, what impact this has had on educators, right? Um, because the teacher side of this, I mean, there's there's all there's similar ripple effects, right? Like you don't know which of your kids are going to be there or then going to have to be on quarantine. And now you have to have, you know, um, meaningful lessons, work materials for them to take home, or you have to set up your Zoom thing in some districts so that they can live stream into your class. But like, that's difficult to do in-person and virtual instruction at the same time. Um, you know, it, it's, it's hard. And we went through all of this traumatic stuff last year. I, I'm, I apologize, I can't remember where I saw this this week, Manuel, that something like 120,000 kids that we know of lost a direct caregiver over the last year, okay? Now that's nationally, okay? But still, right. that's, that's so much like death and that's just the kids who experienced a death. That's not all the kids who experienced a hospitalization. That's not all the kids that yeah. that stat probably doesn't cover because, you know, your aunt passed away and they assume that, you know, your aunt is just an extended family member. But, you know, folks have all kinds of family situations and that aunt might have been an important direct caregiver, right? And so, you know, the, the emotional and family structure impact of this last year is no joke. And I think we, um, we have been forced to sort of operate in this way as though like, oh, well, I, you know, we're just going to move forward. Um, and we, we didn't, we talked a good game about creating space to do the humanizing things to help process and move forward. I don't think we've actually created conditions where that can happen, but for the heroic efforts of educators, teachers and, you know, campus staff and, and administrators to try to carve out small amounts of space for that stuff to actually happen um, when and where it can. Um, so we're starting to see some crazy stuff, man. And there, this week, um, it, the Richmond Public School District in Virginia announced that they're closing for the entire first week of November. Now, this was a, a week where they already had a day off for a holiday, a day off for election day, and then a day off, well, not off, but a day where they were gonna not have students for parent-teacher conferences. So they just decided to close the other two days of that, of that week. Um, but, I love it. Yeah, I love it too. But I'm like, dude, this is where we are, where like districts are saying, we, we're, here's what, it, um, uh, they said, superintendent said, we're on the brink of burning out. Employees are on the brink of burning out, even leaving. Okay? So, like, think about that, man. Schools are hesitant yeah. to close when there's hurricanes and blizzards, okay? <laughs> they're like, nah, we got to just put on your galoshes and come to school, okay? So, like, the fact that they're closing, you know, effectively for a week says something important about just how serious this issue is. And hey, props to the Richmond Public School System, the superintendent or whoever else was involved in this decision to say, like people, what people don't need right now is more pressure. The problem isn't that there isn't enough pressure to teach kids how to read or whatever. The problem is people are, are hurting um, in a lot of ways and stressed and tired and um, you know, people need relief right now um, and have for the last year. And societally, we've made very few decisions that have helped with people getting relief. 
relative to our peers around the world, where folks got subsidized income, got paid to stay home, got time off of work, have, you know, un have lots more maternity leave and other kinds of things, right? So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's an interesting time right now, Manuel. I do hope we see a lot more of what Richmond has decided to do. I know some districts around the country have taken steps like um, going virtual on Fridays or other sorts of things to like reduce the load. So I hope we see a lot more of that. I hope we see some of it here in LA. I hope we see a lot more of it across the country because um, we we got to take care of people um, in this time as well. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I wish... I wish we would see some more of that. I, I don't anticipate seeing much of it out here. Um, we need it. And, I, you know, I know it's a burden on on caregivers as well, though, you know, having weeks or days, certain days where students stay home because then you got to find coverage for those students. But, you know, I wouldn't be against a day where it's like, you know, it's it's an online catch up type day. You could stay home and do it or you could come into the school building, you know, get strong Internet access and, and hang out in your homeroom or whatever. And we're just going to take the day to catch up on what we need to catch up on. You know, I want to be against that. Uh, we need something. We need something. Sometimes I feel like in individual conversations I have with teachers, it's clear we are on the brink of like collapse of burnout of whatever you want to call it. And then we have a meeting and everyone just sits there and no one brings it up. And it's just almost like um. It's hard to even have the conversation in at our school or, or it's hard to have a conversation in the bigger picture because like there's still a sense of like, well, you're supposed to just roll with it. Like that's teaching, right? You're supposed to just roll with it. Nobody said it'd be easy. You're supposed to just roll with it. And it's just, uh, I, don't, I don't know how much longer I can roll with it. I know that. And I just feel for our students, man, because at the same time, we do need to prepare them for for the future and for success. And we do need to address the fact that the, the reading skills and, and all, the, all the different skills, whatever skill you want to point to, um, has taken taken a dip, it has taken a hit during this pandemic in, in different ways for different uh, communities and different students. We do have to like help prep them and help rebuild them, but I just feel like we're not doing that at all right now, not by just forcing us back into the same rigid structures that we had before. I can't really think of, I can't really think of one significant change, one significant permanent change in anything that we do in my own context as a classroom teacher. It's still the same grading overall for the most part. Still the same schedule overall for the most part, uh, you know, class to class, whatever, whatever, bell schedule. It's still the same. Every, I, I can't really think of anything tangible really that's different besides the fact that every kid has a Chromebook and the lessons are um, available digitally for those who have to quarantine. And that's just sad. That's just heartbreaking. But, um, you know. Whatever, we're gonna keep fighting. I know anybody listening to this is is somebody who's who's in it to uh, you know fight the good fight for humanizing uh, education for for students and for and just better uh, structures and systems for for our students, more equitable so that we can usher in hopefully some some educational justice. And I want to shout out somebody who sent in a message, uh, Jeff, about our last passing period, our last passing period where we talked about the substitute teacher shortage. By the way, I didn't have a department meeting this week because too many of us had to cover classes. And um, also I, I covered Spanish this week, Jeff. So a little bit of Espanol in the morning um, for me before my regular ethnic studies and, and government classes. But um, we had a message from a retired librarian. Shout out to, shout out to Helen. Uh, shout out to her. She wrote that uh, school districts need to change their attitude about teachers. I've observed teachers get put in quote unquote temporary positions 
for years. And many stay in teaching because it's their calling, but too many leave because they cannot afford to teach. It's just all too much. And uh, she wrote that in response to what we were saying about the substitute teacher shortage and just how hard it is uh, to be a teacher and to juggle a million different things all at once. And that's what we are doing. And it's very, very difficult. So yeah, shout out to her. Shout out to everybody in the AOTA family who leaves, you know, comments and feedback and and subscribes to our videos and thumbs up and tweets at us and all that good stuff. We try our best to keep up with those messages and those comments. It's it's kind of difficult because here we are, full time educators. Uh, this all of the above stuff is mostly our um, our weekend hobby. So shout out to all of y'all who have been with us the whole way and. Um, yeah, I think that about does it, Jeff. Do you want to just tell them real quick a little bit about our guest for next week, our next full episode? Yeah, I'm so excited, Manuel, because we're having back on the show after her four years. She was on our second ever episode talking about ethnic studies. Um, Roxana yeah. Duenas, a uh, rock star teacher um, at uh, Theodore Roosevelt High School at the Math Science Technology Magnet Academy there. Um, ethnic studies teacher, history teacher, leader locally within the district um, around the kind of ethnic studies graduation requirement movement, and just um, just phenomenal educator um, who's going to be here to dig into um, in more depth uh, the discussion around ethnic studies uh, in the midst of this political climate that's, you know, the boogeyman of CRT and all this kind of nonsense. Um, so it's going to be a great discussion, man. People, I think people are really going to love it. Um, so that should be fresh on your, uh, your YouTubes and your podcast apps next Saturday, October 30th, 2021. Uh, coming to you. So uh, subscribe. Yeah, for sure. Can't wait. Can't wait. Y'all, this is going to be a great week. It's going to be a great week, despite everything that's happening, despite all the all the pressure and all the pandemic, everything. It's going to be a great week for all of us AOTA family members. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we really do love y'all. We really do hope you are having a fantastic school year. Well, by fantastic, we mean as as um as fulfilling as it can be, despite all the circumstances. Because we know, especially those of you who are uh, classroom educators and who are administrators dealing with all the quarantines and contract tracing and all that stuff, and those of you who are district folks trying to trying to address a million different problems all at the same time, we know you're doing your best. If you're listening to our show, we know you're doing your best because that's the only type of people uh, who listen to all of the above is those folks who are really in it for uh, for the sake of the students and for the sake of a better tomorrow. So keep up, keep up the fight, keep up the work. We will see you next week for another full episode. But for now, it's time for you to go ahead and get to class.